If you are a physician, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant who is questioning your medical career, I'm holding a free live training called the Fulfillment Fix that you are definitely going to want to attend. The goal of the training is to clarify your next steps. You can finally find work you enjoy that doesn't burn you out. It's happening on Thursday, June 6th, 5 p.m. Pacific Time or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. During this training, you will learn my proven process for identifying your next right step, which will work even if you feel like you've been spinning your wheels for months. I'll share my number one hack to creating a viable exit strategy so that you can make a transition without going broke. You'll learn the key ingredient to finding a career that's the right fit for you personally so that you can wake up and look forward to your day. You'll also get a simple checklist for ending the mental overwhelm and making a tangible plan, meaning that you can stop feeling stuck and finally know where to start. Through this training, you will stop feeling lost and confused and clarify your career direction so that you can find meaningful work that doesn't drain you. To sign up, click the link in the show notes or go to coachchelsmd.com slash fix. I cannot wait to see you there. Welcome to the Life After Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Turgeon, residency dropout, best-selling author, online entrepreneur, and world traveler. I'm on a mission to help the whole world start doing work that they actually enjoy because I believe the world is a better place when we're all doing work we love. If you want to create a fulfilling life and career on your own terms, then you are in exactly the right place and I'm so glad you're here. Through this podcast, I'll share inspiring stories of healthcare workers who have left their traditional medical careers to forge their own path to fulfillment. I'll also give you my best tips and advice for how I've managed to create a thriving life after medicine. Hello, hello, my loves. Before we get into today's show, which is a truly incredible interview, I want to share with you a few things that I am so excited about right now. Um, So the first thing is, if you haven't downloaded my five days to, to career clarity mini course, be sure to go and get that today. This thing is absolute gold. It's also totally free and it's it's gonna help you. If you are someone who you're feeling dread about going into work every day, you are feeling really unfulfilled, unhappy, you're contemplating making some sort of shift or change or tweak, but you don't know where to start or what to do. So this course is gonna help you stop feeling lost, stop feeling overwhelmed, and finally just have this sense of clarity on your next steps. I give you a five-step process to help you figure out what it is that you want for your career. And it's something I am so excited about. Seriously, I I meet people all the time in my travels who are in this situation. <laughs> like literally almost everyone I meet when I'm traveling is, is in a career that they feel unhappy about. And I, the moment I tell them what I do for a living, they're like, oh my gosh, I need that. And it's so funny. So I've literally been writing out the URL to download this course. I've been writing it out on napkins and giving it to people. I've been like, hey, give me your number. Let me send it to you. Like this is 
is not just for you guys who listen to the podcast. This is something I'm excited about and I share with everyone that I have met who is in this situation, who is just kind of struggling, feeling like at a crossroads in their career, but they don't know what to do about it. And and the people who have been doing this course and doing the work and um, doing the journaling prompts and watching the videos, they're already messaging me and saying things like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much for day one. This was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, someone else messaged me from Instagram saying she was going through day five and had already written seven full pages in her journal about it and was just getting so many insights and so much clarity. Um, I even got tagged in a comment on or a post on LinkedIn where someone has was going through the course and they're like, oh, this is giving me the courage to leave this job that I've had for the past 20 years and start to do work I really enjoy. So this course is incredible and I'm super excited about it and it's totally free. Um, so that is something if you are feeling this way about your career, feeling kind of unfulfilled, but unsure what to do about it, then this course is going to be such a game changer for you. And I really recommend you downloading it. Um, You can grab the link in the show notes, but I believe the URL, since I've written it out on so many napkins, it's coachchelsmd.com slash clarity. So you can just go to that URL and go ahead and download the course from there as well. Um, And finally, I also want to talk about, so this course is great, right? But this is just the beginning. So there's only so much breakthroughs and only so much insights that you can gain from this like free course. The real way to fully get this sense of clarity and get this courage and really get the, the clarity and the courage that you need to start doing work you enjoy, that is gonna happen inside my group program, The Career Fulfillment Formula. This program, um, if you've already missed the waitlist, so the waitlist um, period ended already um, March 25th, so that was last Friday. So if you've already missed the waitlist um, enrollment period, that's okay. There is still going to be another enrollment period for you that is happening April 4th. So if you're listening to this podcast like right when it's out, it's going to be next Monday. So it is coming up pretty soon. Um, so if this is something you've been thinking about, definitely stay tuned and get ready for next Monday, April fourth where this group program is going to be open for enrollment and this is the first time I'm ever doing it in this group way which means this is going to be the lowest price point that it's ever going to be at so if you want help and guidance around your career if you want to be part of a community of like-minded people who are all committed to doing work they enjoy to committed to no longer being in that place of like just suffering and sacrifice and just kind of getting through the day and living to the weekend if you're wanting to be around people who really value their personal time their happiness their sense of fulfillment and purpose and you want help and guidance getting to that place where you're doing work you enjoy this program is going to be so, so perfect for you. And I'm really excited about it. I'm going to cap this enrollment at 15 people. Um, so it is something that I really recommend you you jumping on it if you are, if this is something you're thinking about. And I'll be talking more and more about this, especially if you follow me on social media. I'll be talking all about this. But I just wanted to make sure that you guys know, you guys listening to the podcast, really know what is coming up and what a great opportunity this is for you to get unstuck and really start doing work that you enjoy. So if this is something that you are thinking about or considering, you're kind of toying around with the idea of um, potentially being in this group program, be sure that you are either on my email list, that you are following me on social media, or that you reach out to me personally in some way to let me know that you're interested because I really do not want you to miss this opportunity. 
Okay, so that is all the announcements that I have for you this morning, and let's get into the show. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode of the Life After Medicine podcast. I have here with me today, Dr. Erin Wiseman. She is a physician, life coach, podcaster, and mother of three. And because of her personal experience with professional burnout early in her career, Dr. Wiseman speaks openly with straight, raw honesty about her story in order to help others, particularly physicians, high-achieving professionals, and working parents to know that you're not alone and you are not broken. You can find out more about Dr. Wiseman on her podcast, Dr. Me First and Burnout to Badass or hang out with her on Instagram. We will put all those links in the show notes so that you can reach her, of course. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wiseman. I am so excited to have you on here. Yeah, hey, it's great to be here. So let's just get started by giving an overview of your career journey so far. So tell us about how you went from burnout to badass. Absolutely. So we'll start way back in like 1997 when I diagnosed my brother with appendicitis and my dad didn't believe me. And I'll be damned. He had appendicitis because 12 hours later he was in the OR with a ruptured appendix. So that was like my origin story of like, holy shit, like I can figure stuff out on people and actually help people in this way. Love science, love doing that. Obviously I'm a talker because I'm a podcaster now. So, you know, using the best of both worlds. But my journey is I'm from Indiana, went to small college, went out to med school, came back to Indiana, got boarded in family medicine, set up in a real small rural community, which I had always planned to do. I'll be perfectly honest. It wasn't like a surprise or anything. My husband farms here in Indiana. I grew up farming as well. So that was always the plan to like come back to rural Indiana and take care of like the salt of the earth people. And at that point in my journey it was about 2014. I'd had two kids on residency. You know, I had all the student loans, just bought our new house, just starting my first like big girl practice job. And I was empty, like not just a little bit tired, not just like mom needs a nap, but like at my core, I felt like the Dementors had like sucked out all the happiness that I had. And I was looking around and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like I spent my twenties for this. I gave up my kids first words. Like I missed amazing experiences. I'm more than $200,000 in debt. And this, this is how life is going to feel. Well, at the time I was the only female physician in my County that had a total of four doctors. And so there wasn't that like outreach that I could be like, is it me? Am I crazy? Or is like this a thing? And so I did what I told all my patients not to do. And I got on the internet because I had already hit my network. I had already talked to my med school friends. I'd already talked to like people that I was residents with. And I was like, are you, are you this way? And they're either were like, yes, hell yes. What do we do? Or they're like, no girl, we love life. We're doctors. And I was, I'm not a quiet person. And so I was like, no, like it can't what is wrong with me? Like, what do I do? And what I realized is like, it it wasn't the job. It wasn't that like, um, because I had thought, oh my God, I made the worst mistake of my life by going into medicine, into doing this thing. Like, I should have just like been a grocery store checkout person or like sold chicks at Rule King or something. It was that I was a square peg in a round hole and it didn't fit. And no one along my career path had ever asked me like, hey, what are your core values? And like, how are you going to live those out every single day? It was just, 
I was supposed to be Wonder Woman. I was supposed to be super mom, super doctor, super wife, super community member, super everything. And life was going to be okay because that was what was modeled and that was what was shown. And in reality, I did that. I kicked its fucking ass. But at the end of the day, I had nothing left for myself. I didn't even know who Aaron Wiseman was anymore because the girl who started in medicine at 18 years old, she was a hell of a lot different now in her 30s. And so, I, I mean, I think that's the best place to start is like, because so many people are thinking that like, am I really burned out or am I like crazy? Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all about your journey and really just getting so open and honest about that emptiness and what that feels like, because that is exactly the way I felt as well. Like where, you know, you're superwoman in all those categories and all of those boxes are checked and life looks so great from the outside, but on the inside, something just feels off and something feels empty. And so when you're in that situation, how do you know if it like, is just burnout or if it's like you made a mistake, you hate your job, like you need to move into a totally different career. How do you go about starting to answer some of those big questions that you have? So if you're a nerdy science person like me, you look for questionnaires and diagnostic criteria. <laughs> I can remember sitting at my desk, giving myself the PHQ-9. Because I remember sitting in a room one time, like one of my patients had come in and they're like, Dr. Reza, I'm so depressed. Like, I don't know what to do. And I like looked at her scale and I was like, oh girl, I'm like double that, you know? And, and so, I mean, I think that it's just like first having this awareness, like are you listening to like the small tickle inside of you that's like, hey, hey, something's not right here, hey. Or do you wait like me for the two boy four to fuck you up upside the head and say like, okay, you didn't listen the first seven years, you're gonna listen now. And so for me, I had a lot of those two by four moments before I finally was like, okay, okay, I'm listening. One of them was the like, Sunday night dreads sitting on the side of my bed, little boys watching Paw Patrol while I am secretly singing because like, oh God, I got to get up and do it again tomorrow. You know, another huge two by four was like wishing that I would get hit by a farm truck on the way to work and not like a devastating like C2 fracture, but just like a little pelvic fracture that like knocked me out for a while and I had a legitimate reason not to go to work. Another two by four moment was when a close colleague of mine, she's an OBGYN in the next town over, um, got diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. And instead of being like, holy shit, like, you know, is she okay? My first thought was, well, at least she's got a reason she doesn't have to practice now. And so really getting real with those moments. And if you're having those thoughts, not shoving them away in a closet, not being like, oh my God, I shouldn't think that, but like really unpacking them seeing them for what they are and sitting with them and and having a safe place to process through that for me that was me hiring my coach you know i mentioned back in 2014 when i was like at the bottom of the barrel like there was there was no light it was darkness and luckily i found that safe place in a in a coach who she was a doctor as well and she was able at least to help me have hope again because that's the scariest thing is when we lose hope. And so there's a course like formal diagnostic criteria for burnout, you can Google that. But here's Aaron Wiseman, I call him the D's, E's and F's. So D, are you disengaged at work? Are you 
utterly dissatisfied? Are you just discouraged in general? E, empty, exhausted. Like there is no energy, no matter how much sleep you get. And it's not just physical exhaustion. It's emotional. It's mental. Like when you feel like your brain's been fried day after day after day, and you can't put two words together in a sentence. It's also spiritual exhaustion. When you're like, why am I here? What, what, what am I doing on this rock that's floating around in space? That, my friend, is a warning sign. And then the Fs. So if you're experiencing like frustration all the time, fear, you're in fight or flight, or what I like to say, fuck it, I'm done. If any of those match, I think that's true burnout diagnostic criteria. And it doesn't matter what other people's experiences are, because I get this all the time. People want to argue with me about moral injury versus burnout versus DSM-5 criteria for depression. I'm like, I don't care what you name it, but it is yours to hold. It is yours to then decide, okay, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, I love that. And that's a perfect jumping off point for the next question. But I just want to like, just recap and like sit with the things that you just said, because I think it's so important. And this is what I talk about, like in my community and with my clients is like, honor your discontent. That matters. The fact that you have those D's, E's and F's. And I love that snappy diagnostic criteria. And I definitely think you should get that trademarked or patent pending or something, (laughs) get that in that DSM somewhere. Um, But honoring your discontent, really listening to that. And I think one of the reasons it's hard to do that is we don't know what to do with the discontent once we sit with it. Like, it's almost really scary to acknowledge, like, things are really bad right now, or like, I'm really empty, because then it's like, if we acknowledge that, then we have to take action on it or like we have to do something or make some changes or so there's like some kind of fear around that whole process. Absolutely. And I think too, we're like cultured as well to not have that, to not show that, especially when you're in a leadership position, like being a physician, you're the captain of the ship. Like you got to keep your shit together. And if your shit isn't together, then you hide it so that you can unpack it in some hidden places. And it's not good. I mean, we're human. We all have these experiences. I love that you say, honor your discontent. I tell people, lean into your jealousy, lean into it. If you are pissed about something, if you're like scrolling and you're like, oh my God, they're on vacation again. What is that telling you? Do you want a vacation? Maybe you don't want to go to like Trinidad, but maybe you just want a day off. And so it's like, Figuring out that emotion, emotions just don't like bubble up and pop in our heads. Like there's typically either something subconscious or conscious that's going around it. And sometimes you can figure it out immediately. And sometimes you just have to sit with it and like sit in the suck and know that like it's going to get better. But right now I've got to experience, I've got to feel my feelings because I'm telling you, I swallowed my feelings for nearly a decade and a half. And I had all these emotions. I didn't even know. I couldn't tell you that point when I was empty, like what true hunger felt like, because I would just like be pissed and have a headache and want to throw up all at the same time because I had pushed to those extremes so much. I mean, I make a joke about it, but it's totally not good. There was one time I was pulling a shift in the ER and I was like, God, my stomach hurts. I was like, I think I have to pee. And I got myself on the ultrasound machine and did a bladder scan because I like wanted to see it like exceeded the volume that the ultrasound machine could do. So we got one of those hats 
from the nurse's station and I I literally peed almost a liter and a half of fucking urine because I'd been holding it that long. And then also my intrinsic muscles of my bladder had been stretched so much that they were like, yeah, whatever, another normal day. So like continue to shove your emotions. You continue to like shove it away. You're not serving yourself. You know, you can compartmentalize for a little while, but eventually that shit's all going to backfire on you. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so long that you can go around like ignoring the fact that you actually are a human as well. (laughs) And after a certain amount of time, your bladder explodes or, you know, like metaphorically your bladder explodes, but really like the parts of you that you've been suppressing, they start to come out and they start to like demand attention. And that's when those two by four moments (laughs) come in. So, okay. So you're at that place where you're sitting with the suck and things are bad. So then how do you start to move forward from that? Because I think having a sort of plan around instead of, I mean, sitting with the suck is really important, knowing, like feeling all your feelings is so important. But I think if we just stop there, then that's going to feel really <laughs> scary and low for a lot of people. So then what do you do next to, to start to move mm-hmm. forward? Yeah. A lot of people like to blaze through the feeling part and like get to the action. Like I get that as a very type A OCD alpha female, but I do, I have to at least tell people you have to pause. Like you have to like learn to name your feelings besides like tired, bitchy, exhausted. Like those were all the feelings and angry. That was all the feelings I had at that point. So yes, the next step from there, after you've had awareness around that is really leaning into, okay, not this, then what? And that space is such a hard space because you automatically go into like problem solver mode and you're like, okay, I hate this job. So then that's when I was up at night searching on LinkedIn and Indeed for like the next job. And what I do is I tell people to pump the brakes from there because no matter where you go, you take yourself. So where you're at now, you're going to pull that person along with you. And you may be jumping out of the fire and into the pot. So instead, what I say is instead of going to problem searching mode where we're going to solve this problem and, you know, because there is no perfect job out there, there is no perfect situation. Let's just be honest about that. Is figuring out what is it that you really want? And so many times people just tell me, I don't know. I don't know what it is that I want. And you're, I'm like, you're right, because you've just been taking whatever's in front of you and trying to make your square peg fit in the round hole. I want you to actually identify what the round, what the square hole is for you. And that takes time. And a lot of times what I find people intuitively know how it feels. So I make them go there and talk about, tell me what the perfect day would be like. That's one of my best questions that I tell people. And I like break it down hour by hour and make them say like, How does it feel when you get up in the morning? What does it look like when you've given up in the morning? How does your morning progress? What does it look like mid-morning, lunchtime, midday, afternoon, evening? What is the feeling you have when your head hits the pillow? And you can identify that. And it's so cool when people do that exercise. And I encourage any of your listeners to do it as well. Most of the time, you're only like 20% away from that. If you really dig into those feeling states that you want. And then from there, once you know like how you want to feel, the what gets really easy. The what do I fill my day with? What do I do is work? How do I show up? But you've got to really identify like the how. So when I did this nearly shit, like eight, almost nine years ago now, 
I sat back and the two things I really wanted from that question is I wanted a job that I didn't have to take a vacation from. And I wanted to wake up in the morning without an alarm. Like that, those were the things that like, if I was like, if I'm being really honest, like that's how I want to live my life. The other one probably would be, I want to say as many cuss words as I possibly can, but that's another story for another day. And so that then becomes a new stick in the sand for how then you decide. And a point to add into this is you've got to start learning to trust yourself again. For so long, we've been letting other people determine our path and tell us you should do this. You should do medicine because you're good at science and you should do family medicine because you're really good at talking with people and like getting the details or, you know, you should be a proceduralist because you have really great hands and that sort of thing. And I hope moving forward as I'm mentoring med students and other types of students that really giving them permission to like lean into their weird will help them find the most job satisfaction ever. Because you know what? I didn't do that. So fast forwarding now, I wanna jump you know, a little bit just to where I've leaned into my weird. I love drugs, I'm not gonna lie. Like I can remember way back in the day in high school, like doing this whole report on methamphetamine because it was just like hitting you know pretty hardcore in the 90s here in the Midwest. Whenever I got the chance, I would always go to like the medical DEA meetings, like, I love jail shows on Netflix. Like it's my weird. I love it. I loved being a jail doctor and taking care of that population type. I love that I can just show up and be real with those folks and I don't have to like play pretend with them and they know they don't have to play pretend with me. But I never thought I could make a career out of that because I was a family doctor and family doctors dress in black pants and wear black shoes and they look really nice and they say nice things and they help people with colds and diabetes. But you know what? When I started leading into my weird the last couple of years, and like I said, I took a job as a jail physician. I was like, oh my God, I love this. This is amazing. And then, you know, family doctors were really starting to get encouraged. I don't even know how I'm going to use this in rural Indiana because there's nobody who's accepting of this and there's so much prejudice. I'm going to do it. And so I was one of the first in the state to get it done. And now coming back into medicine, which is a cool story, that's exactly what I do is like, I've figured out a way, I figured out my how, which is I still don't wake up with an alarm clock and I still don't have to take a vacation from a job I love. And I've married the things I love about family medicine and I'm doing addiction medicine and I'm taking care of the people who I really wanna be taking care of and saying fuck it to everything else. And I have second year medical student love again. And I think that's what I encourage people is like, if I can do it, if I can figure it out and know where middle of nowhere, Indiana, where there are more corn plants than people, then so many other people can do this work too. But it starts with giving yourself the permission to say, life doesn't have to stay like this. I can be fulfilled and I can be happy. Is it going to be easy? No, but you eat hard for breakfast. So don't worry about it. Like we'll get there and figure out the how, like, accept that you will no longer tolerate your current condition and also have the belief in the future that you will fucking figure it out and it will be great. Those are all such like powerful, overarching beliefs to adopt and just overarching themes to follow. And I find that so helpful to like have those, those few things that you can return to again and again, like trust yourself, lean into the weird, like all of those different things to really 
come back to at the end of each day as kind of guiding principles and ways to figure it out. And I love that you've shared some of your career journey and, and I know there's no perfect career, but how like the, the most job satisfaction type of career comes to be, it's not something that just plops into your lap. It's not something that you, you apply to on LinkedIn. Most likely it's something that like you create and design strategically based on your own weird and your own likes and interests. It's just like that whole crafting and designing your own career that I find. It absolutely is. And it's like, it's first crafting it within yourself and saying like, I don't know how I'm going to use this, but somehow, somehow this is, I'm going to take this with my journey. And it's also then stripping off those messages and that conditioning of like what it has to look like or what it's supposed to look like. And because, you know, so many times we see people who are doing really awesome, innovative things and we're like, wow, how'd you do that? And they like write their book and you read it and you're like, oh, you're just a normal person who like tried. And like, it's so easy in a podcast episode to think like my path was so like straight. My path has been so twisty. It is all over the place, honestly, ups and downs, backs and forths, like, total backsliding. And then, you know, the burnout coach almost got burned out. Like, so I just want to tell people like, I'm still living my life. Of course, am I worried? Like, am I going to burn out in medicine again? Absolutely. But I mean, there's safeguards that we can, can put up for that as well. But it's like, I wish I had known what I know now, 15 years ago, when I was like crafting my career in medicine, so that when I was listening to my attendings and my advisors being like, you should do this or like private practice isn't safe. You need to be employed or nobody works part time because a real doctor doesn't work part time. I wish I could just like totally purge all of that, those so that young Dr. Wiseman could have like started out on a better foot than what she did. And so I hope this messaging is reaching other people that like if you're like me and it took 10 years. to finally like find my practice and like it is what it is and and i can describe a week in my life but it's not what you think it is it's not what i thought it was gonna be it's so much better now but it came not from getting another degree like an mba it did not come from like finding the best mentor it came because i got really real with myself and i started turning down the volume of everybody else and being like okay, I know you love me, but no. And just getting really real about, I mean, that was hard, really hard. When I told family, like I was quitting medicine, they're like, what? You know, you're the first doctor in our family. And they wanted to like talk me out of it. And I finally had to tell my dad, I was like, it was my grandma, actually. I was like, do you want me to actually like, like my life? Or do you want me to be a doctor? Because right now those are two different things. Yeah. I love all of that so much. And the importance of just listening to yourself, because when you craft your life based on the shoulds and based on the expectations of others, like you can do a great job. You can make a life that looks fantastic, but then what's really going on? But then you step back and you're like, whose fucking life is this? Because it doesn't (laughs) feel like mine. Hello. I was there. That's what I did. (laughs) Absolutely. And so one of the things I want to touch on, one of the things you shared a while back about how it's important to not just jump right into the next job. And like when you're in that state of burnout to not just like get on LinkedIn and try to like find your career escape pathway. And you know, that might be the right thing in some cases for some people, but like there are still inner things you have to deal with. Cause one of the things you shared is like, you know, you take yourself with you wherever you go. And I think one of those patterns that a lot of us 
take with us is workaholism. So I'd love to, to kind of talk more about that as a pattern, how that contributes to burnout and kind of how you talk about that now. Yeah, work is my drug. 100% coming from the family medicine addiction med. So true, work is my drug. And and for a lot of people, that has been what we relied on. Like we got the A pluses, we got the stickers and we're like, ooh, that feels good. Let's get some more. Like when we're in fourth grade, you know, or you know, you get high honors every year and you're like, yeah, I'm a badass. And then eventually you like get into life and you're like, hey, where's the report card? And it's like, nope, there is none. Like they set us up to be like, how do I get a plusing at life? And it's like, you get to decide that kid. It's like an open-ended question, no more Scantron. And so it's so true because the, the mechanisms that we used earlier in our lives and our training and all of that, yeah, it got us to where we're at, but it's not gonna get us to where we wanna go moving forward. And so, that career escape pathway, I have two types of people that come to me. I have people who are like, I'm burned out. I've listened to the podcast. I love your story. Like, will you help me? And so I tell them, you do not get burned out in four weeks. You are not going to be quote unquote fixed in four weeks. The average amount of time that I see when I work with people for a partial recovery, I'm not even saying a full recovery, is 18 months to three years. So this is a process. And yeah, you can make changes and adaptations and life will get better. It's not like you gotta wait 18 months for life to get better. But what I continually remind them is like, this did not happen overnight. You are not going to change this. And if anybody on the internet or whatever, people are touting, you know, three sessions, four, like it's bullshit. I'm just gonna tell you that right now. Like it's not, it is a long haul to do that. The second type of people I work with are those who have made the jump and they're like, oh shit, job two is worse than job one. And I'm like, okay, now are you ready to listen to me and like try some of this stuff rather than like job hopping? Because it's not the job, it's not you. It's a whole lot of complex factors that are gonna take some time to tease out. So the like people who don't like the word burnout it's because they feel like it blames the individual. And then people who don't like the word like moral injury, they don't like it because then it's like, well, the system doesn't hurt everybody. So acknowledging that it's not one or the other, I have my opinion on what the ratio is, but just recognizing like, this is not an easy fix. This is not like add two cups of water in your good type of situation. And so one of those factors in there is recognizing your work addiction, is recognizing that yes, up to this point, if I work hard, then I'll succeed. That mindset is not serving you any longer because guess what? You can work harder and harder and harder and it likely will not change your situation at work. Yeah. And for a workaholic to tell them to work less is like take, telling an alcoholic or someone with substance use disorder to just stop, just stop doing that. You know, it does not work that way. Because if it did, no one would have substance use disorder problems. No one would have alcohol use disorder problems. We wouldn't have addictions. It's not how our brains are wired. Yeah. So what is the key to kind of getting underneath it? Because like we've talked about, like work is kind of the external thing that we reach for to self-medicate. So it's almost like a symptom more so like workaholism is more of a symptom. How do you start getting to like the root cause 
so that you can start to free yourself from that work addiction. Yeah. I think it, again, it comes back to that first and foremost awareness piece of like, Oh, doing it again, like double, triple booking on my schedule and like sitting back and asking yourself why, and not from a place of like judgment and like fixing, but from a place of curiosity, like, I wonder why I'm doing this. Why do I feel the compulsion or the need that I've got to overwork? And for a lot of specifically professional women, it's because they feel like it's an expectation put on by them, by their employers. It's an expectation if they don't work hard, their peers will see them as less because they're not enough as is. And that's a whole self-value issue. If I don't work hard, then I'll be perceived as lazy. If I don't work hard, then I'm not worth my salary. So maybe they'll fire me. If I don't work hard and take care of my patients, they're not going to think I'm a good doctor. And so it's like getting into those things because it's not the work. It's never the alcohol. It's never the drug. It's the underneath all of that. So having that awareness and look at that. And so if work is your drug, rest is your detox. Unplugging is your detox. Quiet, sitting with yourself, being bored. There were years I don't even know what being bored was because I wouldn't allow myself even to go to that place. I was constantly getting those highs of like, it's just like when I talk with my patients who a high no longer feels good. It's just so that they don't have negative symptoms. That's the only reason that they're using. It's not because of like, they get the rush that they first had when they first started using. It's just so they don't go through withdrawal and they don't feel like shit. And that's the same thing with work addiction is we keep like pushing because we're like, well, if I don't get my notes done, I don't have to do them the next day and da, 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 da. And it comes back to, well, at least I'm a doctor. I've had so many people say to that to me. Well, at least I'm a doctor. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're so much more than that. But yet that's what you're using to validate your daily experience that you're having. At least, you know, at least I think I'm doing something good for the world. Well, are you? Because if you're showing up tired, exhausted, making mistakes, being rude to patients, being mean to your staff, like get out. And I tell people that all the time, you know, like if you want to quit medicine, quit medicine, please, because you're hurting yourself. And so I'm a huge, huge advocate right now of sabbatical healing. I think we need to take that. And so another caveat with this is a lot of times with my clients, when I'm like, okay, you're going to take a break, we figure it out. And then they're like, yeah, I'm going to remodel the house. I'm going to clean out all the closet. I'm going to landscape. And I'm like, no, no, no. You're just trading your professional work for your at-home work. Like your reason for being away is to literally learn to sit with yourself again. So like let those thoughts bubble up and not self-medicate with like emails and getting busy and seeing the next person. Like I challenge every single person that does a sabbatical for me is like, I want you to be as bored as possible at least once a day. I love that so much because like you're talking about like rest can feel like a detox to people who have that workaholism. And so it can feel uncomfortable. And then, and then we feel like it feels horrible. It feels horrible. <laughs> right. Cause there's the guilt, there's the like restlessness. There's just a lot of things that come up when you try to rest. And so then we're like, well, this is supposed to be good for me but it doesn't feel good. So I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> and then, like, then we can, yeah, it's like the whole Instagram, like you're supposed to be floating in like a tub of like seawater with like all these wild animals around you. And like, and then like the reality pictures, like you're like in your brain, like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. 
And that is the reality. It's like, I think we have to start reminding ourselves is no, it's super tough. The whole like self cares, like pedicures and like yoga on a mountain. Those are great experiences, but that's just part of the picture of what it truly is. So this is hilarious. So my kids have recently gotten to star Wars. They're 10, eight and almost six. And one night we were talking about the dark side and the light side. And I told them there's never just one good side. Like everybody has good and dark and was specifically after the first time they saw Darth Vader at the end, you know, he like saves Luke and it blew their mind. I was like, we all have light and dark inside of us. And they were talking about that. And now like when they do something, they were like, yeah, that was a little bit of the dark side of me. And I was like, yeah, it is the little bit like, we all have it. And if we just pretend that we're like all light, that dark side gets creepy. It gets slimy and crusty and like infiltrates into areas that we don't even know. And before we turn around, like we're a majority dark and just a little bit of light. The rest is like making you sit with the dark and like seeing it. And the thing is when we shove it in the closet, we shove the dark. I have this proverbial closet that I like to shove my thoughts and feelings into the thoughts about it are bigger than the actual mess in the closet. Like when we shine a light onto it, then we can approach it. Then we can be like, oh, there, I see you, rather than being afraid of its shadow sitting in there. Yeah, that's so powerful. Like when we actually turn on the lights and look at it and pay attention and bring our awareness to it, it's never usually as bad as the worst fantasies of our imagination make it seem. Um, So one other thing I wanted to touch on with you, because this is something that so many people who come to me talk about is the fear of throwing it all away when it comes Mm -hmm. to your medical career and training and degree. There's, you know, it's not an easy path. It's something we all dedicate a lot of time and energy to. And you even referred to this, like, you know, I spent my whole twenties doing this. What, what is this now? So how did you kind of deal with that fear of when you were initially leaving medicine? How did you deal with that fear of thinking, am I just throwing it all away? Was that something you worried about, thought about? Um, And if so, how did you kind of work through that or reframe that for yourself? Oh my God, all the time. I mean, my whole identity was based on doctor, on being doctor. So who was I? If I took the diploma off the wall, if I got rid of the white coat, if I never again signed Aaron Wiseman DO on a prescription, who was I without that? And that was huge to try to figure that out. And then once I finally had words to describe, like, Erin, you're not, you're not doctor, you're helper, and you can help in a thousand different ways. Then that made it more clear to me that like, oh, and so that's why it feels so good to be a coach as well. And that's why it feels so good to be a because you're a helper. And that's why it feels so good when you see a lady at the store, you help her over the curb or, you know what I mean? Like that, I think we have to broaden that definition of like, what am I really throwing away? Am I really throwing away my degree? Am I really throwing away all the experience? No, no one can ever take that away from me. No one can ever take that away from you, listener, as well. That is yours. Even if the State Board of Health like strips me of everything I've ever had, they will never take away the experiences and the patient encounters and everything that I've experienced up to that point. And I think it's so important. And then I wrote an article one time that's called Throw Your Life Away and Get a New One. 
Because friend, if you're sitting where you're at right now and you're contemplating throwing it all away, I would encourage you to lean into it. Like we've talked about this whole time, throw that shit away and go get you a new one. Because why are you clinging to what you hate right now anyway? Why are you clinging to what may likely be like slowly killing you like a dementor sucking out your soul? Put it aside. And that's why I think it's so good to take those breaks to say right now for the next three months, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to be Aaron Wiseman or I'm going to be Chelsea or I'm going to be Ashley or Megan. And I'm just going to see what this world is like in my body as is rather than attaching a title to it. And it doesn't have to be like a huge like eat, pray, love type thing. You don't have to like travel everywhere. If you can, like that's amazing, girl, go for it. But if it's just like a staycation in your, you know, journaling every day, or you're just being like a normal person who goes out and walks their dog at 10 a.m., I highly encourage that so that you can get a different perspective and realize that like you're really not throwing your life away. You're picking up and getting a new one. But maybe part of that attachment is you do need to let it go. You do need to throw it away. You do need to burn that mother to the ground so that you can grow up something new. Yeah, I love that perspective. That, like, why? And it is so interesting why we feel so scared to throw something away that's not working for us. It's like, I've talked about this with my clients. It's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You're almost okay with that suffering because it's familiar. And it's like the fear of the unknown and the anticipation that like maybe that suffering is actually worse on the other side. And there's just a lot of psychological things that go into it. Oh, there's so much. I'm just sitting here thinking like growing up in a family of hoarders and I'm very much like a minimalist now. (laughs) You know, it's like we can't get rid of it because we might need it someday, even (laughs) though it's under a pile of junk and we probably will never, ever find it. We cannot throw it away. Versus like I go to a drawer and I'm like, here it is right there in the spot I put it because this is the only one and this is always where we put it, you know, and so it's like really and honestly growing up here (laughs) in the Midwest, I think like this is it's there's if you've ever been to a good Midwest auction, like you will see that scarcity mindset in hoarding and that's what it is. That's what it is when you're afraid to throw it away because it's like, but what if I can never ever again. And it's like, but what if you have to let it go to pick up something new? Yeah, it's the open palms. This is what I I talk about. It's like one of the biggest things I try to practice as I travel that like almost detachment and like open palms and like allowing the good things to come into your life, but also leave in their own good time so that other new good things can come. Because when your palms are closed and clinging to things, you're not allowing space for anything new to come. So it's like, opening no it's totally Marie Kondo like thank it and let it go that's like been my biggest like mom hack when it comes to like toy clutter is once a year we do that and I'm like we can take a picture on it on my phone but like if we're not playing with this like we need to like thank it and put it in the box so other kids can play with it or put it just in the freaking trash because it's junk you're teaching your kids things it sounds incredible i want to like sit in on your your parenting discussions with them and to learn about life from you (laughs) one day they're going to have a lot of good discussions with their therapist needless to say so i feel like i could talk to you for so long but i want to be respectful of everyone's time Um, i have two questions that i ask everyone to kind of wrap things up so i know you've given a ton of advice all throughout 
this whole podcast episode packed full of advice. I hope people are going back and taking notes for, you know, all of those things, but we'll transcribe it. (laughs) (laughs) But what, like one kind of granular piece of advice would you give someone who's feeling burnt out, feeling unfulfilled, but doesn't know where to start? I think it goes back to my bio. Honestly, you're not alone. You're not broken. You have done hard things in the past. You will do more hard things in the future. You can do this. Yeah, I love that. And what does fulfillment mean to you personally? Fulfillment feels like at the end of the day, when I walk in the door, that my heart is full and I've got Team Wiseman jumping on me and crazy dog running around. And I just sit down and I say, yeah, this is my life. Mm, I love that. That moment of satisfaction. I can really picture the whole scenario you just described, just kind of that like sigh of satisfaction and content at the end of the day. And I'll be honest, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. I remember just recently, about seven months ago, I had that. I mean, I can, I'm picturing it in my head right now. And I looked at my husband and I was like, this is new. This is a new feeling. And it was through a lot of things. It was through this journey we've talked about today. It was through like advocating myself and getting the job that I wanted, not just on the terms of like in the office, but like what my, what my life values are and how it, it integrates into my life, but also getting really real about my own mental health and what I needed in my own physical health. Cause the forties ain't no joke, you know, like you have to take care of yourself. And it was that the combination of that point one night, as I was, we were sitting on the couch talking and I was like, this is real. This is actually real. And, and I want that for the clients that I work with, for my physician colleagues, for everyone out there to be able to go home at night and be like, instead of pissed or like, just go straight to bed without a shower. Cause you're so exhausted, but to sit and to like, just revel in the thing that you call life. Oh, it's seriously the best feeling. And it takes time for it to sink in. Cause I've had those moments too, of almost like, like tearing up in gratitude because it's like, is this real? This just feels so different than what I'm used to, but yeah, I, I want exactly. that for everyone too. And I think that's, and that my friend is when, you know, you've recovered from burnout. Too. Mm, I love that. So where can people find you and connect with you after this show? Cause I'm sure people are going to want to, you know, continue following you, start following you and just be a part of your world. And also if you want to tell us about how people can work with you, I know you have a program coming up in May. So give us all the details. Yeah, absolutely. So my, one of my favorite F words is free. So free things are come over to my podcast. You're obviously a podcast listener. Um, Dr. Me first is kind of like my thoroughbred. She and I have been together for almost 400 episodes now. And so you can go listen to some oldies, but goodies, or you can catch new stuff. There's all sorts of Aaron sass in there. And I think great great episodes with guests. I do a bunch of solo casts. And so it's just kind of a smattering. I'll be perfectly honest. It's a good representation of who I am as a person. If you're interested in more of the burnout talk and how to move forward in it and, and what other people have done that maybe you can take and adopt, like, cause I'm a, I'm a total Pinterest mom. Like I don't think of any new ideas. I go to Pinterest, I steal the shit out of stuff and I make amazing looking things because other people thought of them. That's burnt out to badass podcast. 
or you can hear me interview other people who are different than me. They're not doctors, they're not in medicine, and they did burn out differently so that we can normalize this conversation and then find other solutions for each other as we tell our own stories. I only hang out on Instagram. So if you want like the hashtag real Aaron, find me on Instagram. My team takes care of all the other stuff and they're great. They'll answer you. I love them. I wouldn't hire people that I wouldn't. But if you want to really talk to me, then find me on Instagram at Aaron Wiseman or at Burnt Out to Badass. I love all of that. And I'll put all the links to the podcast and the things in the show notes. And did you want to share anything about you have a live version of Burnout to Badass coming up? I do. So I mentioned that I was the burnout coach who almost got burned out. I used to run this program quarterly and it was just way too much. So now I only run it once a year, starts in May, goes until the beginning of August. It's a weekly conversation where we're working together through those big pivotal points that I've found both personally and now working with over a thousand people through burnout on these are the high points that you really must make sure that you work through as you're thinking about what you want in life next. Um, What do you want your career to look like? Is it time to leave? Is it not time to leave? Do I just need to adapt? And so we do that weekly together live. It's called Burnt Out to Badass. You can look on the website and get signed up um, if you want some reminders on when um, that goes out. But yeah, I'm just going to do it once this year. So like get your ass in the seats kind of thing. And then I don't know. We're going to see what next year looks like. Um, I don't make any promises anymore because the world is crazy. And so we'll just see. But I would encourage people if they're ready to work through this, if they vibed with me, now is the time. Jump in and may and I don't think you'll regret it at all. I love that so much. Well, thank you for just sharing your presence and your energy and yourself with us today. You have such a open authenticity that really invites other people to embrace and lean into their weird and be more of who they are. So I just want to thank you for being you and for then in doing so giving everyone else permission to be themselves too. Absolutely, friend. The badass in me honors the badass in you. (laughs) The new namaste. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Life After Medicine podcast. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you want to continue the conversation, share your takeaways, and connect with other like-minded healthcare workers, then come join us in the Life After Medicine Facebook group. The link to join the group is in the show notes. I can't wait to connect with you further.